Usually, on a Christian business podcast, we talk about the transition from being an employee to being self-employed. Today, we're talking about the opposite. Lindsey Hager joins us, and we talk about his transition from being self-employed to working as an employee, the VP of a nonprofit. He'll talk with us about how to maintain your personal convictions, even if the organization you work for doesn't. We'll also talk about how the relief of the added stresses of being a business owner can allow you to focus on other ministries. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Thanks for joining us on the show. We usually just kick right off with a devotion, so if you've got something prepared, we'd love to hear what you got. Sure, I can talk about Moses. Hey, let's talk about Moses. And the Passover, remember that? Yes. Well, I mean, I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about it. (laughs) All right. Well, I can, you can interact with me a little bit. So as I'm talking, (laughs) you think about what you remember about the Passover. Okay. And some of the things about that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So in Numbers chapter nine, Moses and the Israelites were camping in the wilderness. Right. And God says, I want you to observe the Passover. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you remember the Passover, the first time they did that was when they were getting ready to leave. Right. And there was a strong dictator at the time that didn't want them to leave. Mm-hmm. But the Passover resulted in that dictator, Pharaoh, letting mm-hmm. them leave. Right. But the Passover itself was very prescribed, very strict. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So right. what happened to people when they didn't follow the Passover? Well, they lost their firstborn. Right. That's right. So when God mentioned that the second time he wanted them to observe the Passover was in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine if it was your family and my family and God said, hey, you need to observe the Passover, they'd be a little bit alarmed. (laughs) What's going on? Right. (laughs) The last time we did this. (laughs) Right. And so they're like, well, we need to go through all those very detailed rituals. And he says, yep. Mm. So that's where they find themselves. And then a group of men come forward and say, we can't observe the Passover because we've touched an unclean body. Remember, there was all these rules. Right, about, right, right. You can't do this, you can't do that. So these guys come forward and like, we'd like to participate because we're commanded to, mm-hmm. but we can't. So this is kind of a new situation, a new problem. And they come to Moses and say, what do we do? So what Moses does was he says, wait, I'm going to inquire of God. Mm. And so they, you know, he just says, be still, I'm going to inquire of the God. So he does, he goes and asks God, what do we do? This is kind of a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Not sure what to do. I know that's going to impact people from now on Mm -hmm. because we, God said, we're going to keep observing Passover into the future. So it's like, what do you do in this scenario? Haven't come come across Mm -hmm. this before. So God calls on the Lord. And this is a great example of seeking God first, something we can learn from. Mm-hmm. So maybe in your life, when people come to you and say, we need a decision, we need something, we need, here's a scenario, I don't know what to do. How often do we react with, wait, mm. let me ask God first. Mm. When Moses did that, God gave him a very clear answer. And he said, let these guys participate in Passover. They just have to wait a month, but they need to go ahead and, and observe the Passover. So God provided a way to extend his grace to the men that wanted to pursue him. Right. Because Moses sought God first, Mm. right out of the gate. You know, I think 
you know, I worked for Justin Curtis for a while. He's episode one, first episode of the podcast. And I think one thing that Justin does really well is anytime I talk to Justin for advice, his like first thing out of his mouth and he's, he's just, I don't know, he's, he's always on top of this is, well, pray about it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, duh, (laughs) you know? And I, I think, I think sometimes it just takes the simple reminder of that. But, you know, we ha- here we have this story in the Bible that, we you know, we've all heard a hundred times of the of the Passover. Like you said, what do you remember about it? Well, I wasn't there, but I could probably tell you quite a lot about mm-hmm. it because of the number of times I've heard it. Mm-hmm. And and here here it is, this perfect story of Moses going to God first, and it's all over the Bible. And so we see we see this pattern, and then we're so slow to do this. So I don't know if we need a string around our finger or people like Justin. Or, but now, now I'm going to hold you accountable to holding me accountable, right, Lindsay, for— for, uh, for, for asking God first. <laughs> right. And some people, I think, as Christians, you know, they're more inclined to do that. It's more of a reflex. Right. And that's what we all need to, to implement and exercise that reflex. Mm-hmm. First thing we think about, most men that I know are problem solvers, right? It's like, uh, give me a problem, yep. I'll figure it out. You know, how do you do this? Uh-huh. You know, what's the reflex to solve the problem first? Mm-hmm. Go to the Lord. Get on your knees. Wow. Wow. No, thank you for that, Lindsay. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So, Lindsay, let's let's talk about you, all right? Everybody's heard me talk on the past, you know, however many episodes we've done, but we want to talk about you a little bit. So, kind of give us the, from the beginning, really, just kind of your personal testimony, how you came to know the Lord and, and what that's done in your life, how that's affected you. Kind of, kind of let us, let us see into Lindsay's life there. All right. I was born into a Baptist family, a large family that was Baptist. So that had a pretty major impact on my life growing up, all the way from a lot of strict rules to attending church regularly. But I also understood my own sinfulness. Mm. And at eight or nine years of age, vacation Bible school at a different church, mm-hmm. raised my hand, went forward here, heard the gospel message, which I'd heard before, but committed my life to mm-hmm. Christ at a pretty young age. Mm-hmm. So maybe not the dramatic change of lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but definitely an ownership of my sinfulness and Mm -hmm. confession and repentance of sin at that time. I think that, I think that a lot of times, you know, you said not a dramatic change of lifestyle. And, you know, we've heard every episode we hear, you know, whoever's sitting in that seat, you know, that personal testimony. And a lot of these folks, that's their story. I was raised in a Christian Mm -hmm. home and, and so it wasn't like this, you know, uh, this huge chain. Well, I was on drugs and sleeping around and this and that and the Mm -hmm. other thing. uh, I was kind of a, little church kid and then yep. then I you know but that recognition of sin was huge that's where I was too mm. is that recognition of sin in my life was like the big boom moment mm-hmm. but I think for me there the there there was a tendency to be very obedient very conformist mm-hmm. very rule oriented mm. and going through my teenage years it was always a list of don'ts don't and smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls that do, that's right? Exactly. <laughs> it. That was exactly it. So, you know, for me, and I was a public school kid. I was really heavily involved in a lot of extracurriculars, and pretty much all of my friends were unsaved. Mm. So there was a lot of temptation there, mm-hmm. and it was still, you know, you go to the line and you stop at the line, but you stay pretty close to the line. <laughs> right. Let's tell the line. <laughs> so, so do you? Did you see kind of your faith going in and out, or did you? Did you pretty much stay on that same side of the line? I'd uh, say I pretty much stayed close to the line. Close to the line, on the same side the whole time. But on the very close, but on the right (laughs) side of the line as far as 
Outward appearances. Outward appearances. But what was know, going on in your heart? Yeah, so well, you say that. Yeah, as I went to college, I went to Christian College, which is now Cornerstone. Mm. Met my wife now, Vonda, at Cornerstone, and she was raised the same way. Mm. Interestingly, we get married, we finish college, and then we go to a new church that starts talking about freedom to serve. And that just was life-changing for both Vonda and I. Foreign very foreign concept of, you know, why are you living in a world of don'ts and can'ts Mm -hmm. when you can be living freely to glorify God? Mm. And that really was a huge change for me and for Vonda in our own lives. Did, so you early on kind of had a recognition of your sin. And I think some people, me included, that freedom concept, you had mentioned that in terms of from rule following to service did you see any of that in a freedom from bondage to sin? Did you see yourself in bondage at all or not really? No, not really. I, I mean, I think all of us struggle with temptation and sin. And right. we're, as long as we're living on this earth, Satan's never going to give up on that. Right. But as far as a certain bondage, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say it's just more of the confinement of rule following right. as opposed to live freely Right. And use your gifts and talents and passions to glorify God. So instead of negative to neutral, you went neutral to positive yeah. kind of concept. Okay. No, no, that's, that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of the other side of the coin from, you know, like I said, me or some other people. So that's helpful. So mm-hmm. married, um, what did you see? You, you mentioned, I want to touch on, it. I don't want to, you know, don't mean to belabor points, but you mentioned when you married Vonda, she came from a similar background. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that made it? worse or better in terms of in terms of that freedom you know that that whole concept of of rigidity and legalism i I think it made it better i mean we were both going through the same thing spiritually okay so you kind of walked together in it yeah now interesting Mm -hmm. interesting, because i could see how that could class and almost like you know it's like when you when you get married you think your money meet your your money matches up with her money and what ends up having is your debt matches up with her right. debt and you it's the opposite direction so it that's really neat to see that yeah be to look at it that way in terms of you guys were walking through the same thing at the same time mm-hmm. so married had started having kids and did you see huge impacts in terms of faith beyond that like you know a lot of people talk about like there were a few points in their in their life where you know, big changes happen spiritually. Did you see many huge changes like you did in that freedom concept as life went on, or did it kind of stay steady growth beyond then? I'd say it's steady growth beyond that. Got you. Okay. Yep. But that was kind of a big that shift. That was a for big you. shift. Yep. Got you. So, shifting from that, speaking mm-hmm. of shifting, nice transition there, right? <laughs> so, talk to me about career now. So, right now, you kind of wear a couple of hats, right? So you're, you are VP of a nonprofit, right? Yep. The Free Minority Community Foundation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you also do some consulting. Yeah. Very, very little. Very little now. Yeah. I've but you did for quite much. some time. Yep. You were self-employed as a consultant. Yep. For 11 years, I had my own company. Okay. As a consultant. Sure. And primarily you did what in that? I was primarily involved in government funded development projects. Okay. Either housing projects or revitalization of downtown buildings. That kind of set type of thing. Okay. And so you kind of handled paperwork for that and provided. Financing, packaging, compliance to mm-hmm. federal regulations, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Got you. Got you. Well, in the in the time that I've known you, Lindsay, that kind of, you 
that's got your name written up. Lindsay is probably one of the most gifted administrators <laughs> that I have ever come into contact with. But compared to me, that's not really hard to do. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, this this is coming from the guy who took a year and a half to start a podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> but would you say that? Well, let me ask, how long have you been VP at, at Fremont Area Community Foundation? Uh, since 2019. Since 2019. Okay. So there's a little transition of positions before that. So. Well, let, let, let's do this. Let's yeah. do this. So you get married. You went to school for what? Master in, in excuse me, <laughs> urban planning. Urban planning. Urban okay. Planning. And so you, from that point, kind of walk me through just, you know, a brief, your career kind of throw us your resume kind of oh, okay. <laughs> just in terms of wh where you've been. Sure. So right out of college, I worked for an architectural engineering firm, the largest of its type in Michigan, mm -hmm. which was based in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Worked there for a couple of years. Then I worked for Kalamazoo County mm -hmm. developing housing projects okay. for the county through county government. Did a lot of grant writing to state government to fund housing projects. Mm -hmm. Then I moved up here to take on the role of director of the Center for Nonprofit Housing, which is now part of True North okay, in sure. Fremont, mm -hmm. and was the director there for 14 years. Okay. And then Until... I went and started my own consulting firm, which I did for 11 years after that, gotcha. and then the Community Foundation. So not, not a whole lot of overlap in role, like that consulting was kind of its own thing for its own period of time. Yeah, but they're all related. Sure, they're all related, sure. Yeah. So- at what point, so you you stopped consulting on the side or really pared down your mm -hmm. consulting on the side and, and stepped into that role as VP. So talk to me about how that happened because, I mean, there's a lot of people, like to a lot of people, the, a lot of business owners, the concept of going from being a business owner to moving back into a, a non-ownership role, mm -hmm. like it seems kind of foreign. So walk me through yeah. that process. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of factors going on there. One, I had volunteered to be on the board of the community foundation for years, like 14, 17 years. I've okay. been a volunteer. So I knew that organization very well okay. from the board perspective. And this was going on while I was consulting and had a successful business. Mm -hmm. Right. And the CEO of the community foundation at the time had some staff openings and said, hey, why don't you come and work here? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I got my own firm. I'm happy. I own my own business. I'm yeah. my own boss. Right. I'm, I'm good. I'm all set. Right. Right. So, you know, there was really a reluctant, like, now nah, why would I do that? But at the same time, with my business and my family where it was, the, the type of work I was doing demanded travel all the time. Oh, okay. Like three to four days a week, gone. Got it. There and so there was is. a lot going on there. <laughs> the other part of it is, you know, I had a lot of clients where they were just my own and some of them would be short-term gigs that would pay small amounts. So I'd have to stack those up. Mm, right, so right. it's like doing 50 roofs versus you know, doing I, a big commercial. Right. Yeah. And some of my jobs in my consulting career were three or four year full-time gigs, which okay. was much easier maybe as a sub to another national firm. Got you. So it was transitioning to much more smaller, 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 smaller jobs. Okay. And there was just the work and the travel was just becoming so much that I was and, working 60, 70 hours all day Saturday to keep up on paperwork. And it was becoming more undesirable <laughs> to be my own boss. Well, and you had, you had, you had like 13 daughters or something, right? <laughs> Four. Four. Okay. <laughs> 
So the you after know, three, after three, it's all the same, right? What else? Right. <laughs> so you had four daughters during this time, right? And you're traveling all like what did travel like Midwest, all across the country, nope, mostly internet. just Michigan, mostly just and Michigan. Chicago. Okay, all right. So, but you, so that's I mean, you're on the road three, four hours. I mean, you can be you can be on the road in Michigan for eight hours and still be in the state. Right, right. So, and a lot of my jobs were like that. I mean, I had a regular job in Petoskey where I was there two, three days a week, every week for five right. years in a row. Oh wow! So it was a good job. I liked it, mm-hmm. but you know, it was Tuesday through Thursday in Petoskey. So Vonda Vonda was at home. Has been at home the whole time. Did mm-hmm. Vonda step into any kind of a career? She at before we had children and even through kids, she worked as a nurse in the hospital on weekends. Oh, okay. So even when I was traveling, I could come home. I'd have the kids on weekends. She'd work okay. weekends. Okay. Oh wow! So wow. it was challenging. And then she eventually kind of stepped away yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, not and, too long ago, actually. And, she okay. Stopped doing All right. that. And you guys homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the one of those balancing acts, and we talk a lot on the podcast about about balancing balancing between dad, husband, and business owner. You know, we just talked with mm-hmm. Michelle with Signature Business Branding about uh, about mom. Mm-hmm. And mom and stay home mom and career woman and mm-hmm. those balances. So you obviously, you know, you, you come from faith background and you're, you're in a faith situation. And so now you have this role as the VP of a non-faith based not-for-profit, which you, but you bring your, but you have your faith. Mm-hmm. And so how do those intersect as you know what you're doing are there things that you know maybe get supported that you're you're not 100% on board with but because you know so mm-hmm. talk to me about that yeah that's been the case really my whole career with government funding okay yeah you know, so yeah it's consistent with that you know there are you know funding sources that you're uncomfortable with their projects there's administrations all the way up to the national level that you're for or against, right? but right. a lot of times it comes down to, well, it's work and I right. don't have to proclaim or take a side, you know, right. the funding is there to do this project and that's the focus is the work, the project. Same with the community foundation. It's a nonpartisan organization because it is a community foundation by definition. It right. cannot be Christian. It cannot be Republican. It cannot be dumb, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, right. it's nonpartisan on purpose. Right. And so, yeah, there are times where you're conflicted with your faith or your beliefs or something mm-hmm. that you're against. But it is kind of nice in a sense that you can live your life, your beliefs, you can represent, you can demonstrate your your action, actionable faith right. without crossing those lines. Okay. So two things I want to, I want to, I want to go to in that. And one is you, without crossing those lines, you can, you can still demonstrate how, 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 what, what does that look like? You're, you're writing a grant for some, I mean, I, this probably isn't happened here in West Michigan a lot, but you're writing, you, you get, a, you know, you get, it comes across your desk, a, a grant for an abortion clinic, mm-hmm. for example. Right. Mm-hmm. So what, like, ah, what do you do? Do you do right. like the, do you do like a Catholic doctor who doesn't want to prescribe birth control and sends them to another doctor or what? Well, the more realistic thing yeah. for the community foundation is donors. Okay. Say you want to you want to donate a hundred thousand dollars to a cause. Okay. You can donate your money to the community foundation and say some of the proceeds from that go to an abortion clinic. 
right. can go to any entity anywhere in the world as long as it's legal. Wow. Okay. So if it's illegal, like terrorist organization, right? You can't we, send it to ISIS. <laughs> right. The the community foundation can fulfill your desires as a donor, and we're obligated to do that without any you know any other right. You can't come against that. Right. Right. So and people do that. We have funders and donors that have donated and they want their funds to go toward those types of causes. Mm -hmm. So I can't do anything about that. I have to fulfill that. And we have had discussions at board levels of people that are against that. And mm -hmm. we have to say, because we're a community foundation, we're nonpartisan, we have to fulfill the wishes of the donors as long as it's legal. Right. Sure. Sure. And the same goes for Christian organizations. I mean, right. we get plenty of those, believe me, we get well, sure. in this community, they're you know, there are, are funds set up to benefit almost every church in the county. Right. Lots of services, lots of Christian organizations. Mm -hmm. We can't give grants out from community dollars that would benefit those things. So unless a, an abortion unless clinic or a Christian organization, we have to be neutral with the dollars that are are that you decide. Okay. So so the dollars so mm -hmm. the dollars come in. And some of them have earmarks on them. Exactly. And so then the ones that don't have earmarks, yep. the foundation decides. Yep. And actually that's a, f a role of the board of directors as it's, ca it's called unrestricted. Okay. Unrestricted funds. Yeah. Sure. And there, we have a lot of unrestricted <laughs> funds. So then, you know, how the, how the board approaches that is we have a strategic plan that we mm -hmm. say, well, what are the needs of the community? We prioritize things like education community economic development, mm -hmm. poverty to prosperity. And those are the areas we want to fund. So we stay down the middle ground, mm -hmm. so to speak. And, and then we say, now organizations in the community can apply for grants as long as they're a nonprofit or a school. And then the board will government. review that grant request right. and decide if it fits within the mission of, of right. the foundation. So if a Christian organization comes in and says, we want to do this Christian program in our church, it's probably going to be no. Because okay. a condition of that program is to come to our church, then we we can't go there as right. a nonpartisan organization, just like a government grant. But I could donate and say, I want to set up a fund for churches to be able to do such and such at the church. Yes. And, and then you can do that. Lots of those. Okay. Now, why wouldn't, uh, this is just some curiosities, and forgive me if this is boring to you listening, but give us another shot of the next episode. But why, why wouldn't I just give to the church? A lot of people do, but there's, there are benefits. Endowment, I guess, is the, the power of endowment. So what the community foundation does is we take all the donations that are received mm -hmm. over time mm -hmm. and we invest them in one very large pot of money in the stock market and a diversified portfolio. Sure. So that is going to grow over time. And so... That's called the endowment fund. I see. So I could donate $100,000 and say, give the growth to this church every year yeah. or whatever. Yeah. If you just gave it to the church, they'd probably spend they'd it. They'd probably spend the 100000 What the Community this, Foundation does is we invest it, and we only take 4% of the returns and grant that out. I so see. So it grows and grows and grows and grows. So, so if you I, give 100000 10 years from now, and it's it grows seven percent. It grows at 7%. And we only give... 4% out. The 3% four percent. Do you give 4% of the 7% or do you give 4% mm -hmm. of the total? 4% of the 7%. Really? So it grows. So that's no how kidding. the community foundation as a whole has assets worth about $300 million. 
here in Little West Michigan. And it's because wow. of the power of endowment. Right, so if you just sure. if donors just give to their favorite charity, that's fine and we encourage that. Sure. But if you give it to the community foundation, we're gonna invest it. And it's gonna last. And we're only gonna allow you to take a little bit <laughs> right. every year to give to the program. Okay. So you're not gonna get the big hundred thousand dollar one time splash. You might get three or four, eight thousand a year gotcha. to use, but you're gonna increase that over time. Whereas if I, I wanted that process to still work with a a small church and I wanted to give them fifty thousand dollars and have it be like an endowment, now they're trying to invest that on their own and manage it on their own and all that kind of stuff. There's yeah. Just give it to just give it to the foundation and say I want this for this church, mm-hmm. and so you that okay so you can specific you can not just say for Christian stuff you can specifically drill it down to say I want to do an endowment for you know Grace Community Church yeah could yeah for their youth program yep you can be that and, specific and there's also the opposite of that of some people come in and say I'm just really in love with the environment mm-hmm. so you just you guys decide at the foundation how best to use that to preserve the environment. And so somebody sits down and says, okay, how about things like this? How about things like, and you say, yes, no, yes, no, and design the, and then the, Mm -hmm. and then that description goes in front of the board Mm -hmm. and the board says, does this thing meet this person's request? Mm -hmm. I see that that's actually pretty neat. That's very interesting. And the, so from, have you ever, have you ever kind of had that, you know, moment of, have you ever come to a point where you said, I, I don't know if I can do this from a, from a conflict standpoint of, you know, that abortion, you know, I want to support it. Have you ever come into a position where you, you like it, it racked you? Yes. There was a time recently and I got to be careful by that's, that's not fine. using names. No, you're fine. But there was an opportunity for the community foundation to use its unrestricted funds mm-hmm. to help a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, the staff really felt like it was neutral enough mm-hmm. that they weren't requiring participants to do know, anything, hear the right, gospel, right. or you know anything like that. So we recommended it for approval, and the board denied it. Okay. So we had to give the message to the organization that it was denied, and they were just devastated. Right. So it was very difficult, not only as a Christian, but just as you know, it, to me, it was just a good good use of funds. Right, sure, sure. But the but reason... was a little too close for the board. The board felt that it was just too Christian uh, to be right, neutral, right. and mm-hmm. I, I respect that. Right. I, I do respect, respect that. that. Because we do have to be careful with the IRS or whatever. Sure. So that's what their concern was, but that one was quite what about the meaningful. What about the other way? Something that you didn't want that... And, well, and again, I know you funded. can't... Yeah. And, and again, I don't. we don't need the specifics of it, but just I want to hear I, what went on in your heart, you yeah, know, that kind of I'm, thing. There really aren't a lot of those. Really? Okay. as far as morally against. Okay. Because we don't have that many organizations in this community. Right. Okay. Sure. That would qualify for these kinds of grants or even apply for a grant. There's not not an abortion clinic here in town. Right. (laughs) Right. That that would probably be it. It was. (laughs) Right. Right. So, okay. I mean, there may be some grants to organizations that I feel like you know, the organization itself isn't legit or right. know, they don't okay. have capacity or something right. more along that they, rather they, than an immoral type pro- of a provide, issue. Provide teddy bears to six-year-olds fund that need, that somebody wants to donate $600,000 to yeah. or something. Yeah. There are some ridiculous things that happen like that, but Got nothing you. immoral. Like nothing that. immoral that you're <laughs> stuff you roll your eyes at, but yeah. Okay. 
So backing up to your consulting business, I want to mm-hmm. take us back there. So you you were working in the public sector, and s- did you just see an opportunity? What? Well, how did? Where'd you? Where'd you make that decision? Where'd you make that jump from? You know, a a nine to five with Kalamazoo County to you know Hager Consulting. Oh, I see. Okay, well, that was the the real impetus for creating my own consulting firm came from True North. Oh, okay. Because I had been there for 11 years as sure. a housing director. Right. So there were a few things that happened that basically there was a separate board set up as a supporting organization called Center for Nonprofit Housing. Sure. And I was the director. And mm-hmm. the parent organization made the decision to eliminate the board and eliminate my position. I see. And so you went... Uh, uh- I could so consult. I became unemployed very quickly. <laughs> got you. Got you. And thankfully, there were people that I had worked with in state government that knew the work that I had done and said, hey, we've got other nonprofits that you know could use your help okay. building capacity. And they kind of got me started and gave me opportunity to, to work. Got you. And then it okay. kind of grew from there. Got you. So- did you start by just reaching out to a bunch of folks or did you throw your resume out there? What, what did that transition? All of that. Look? I mean, All I kind of relied on the state contacts that I had to get me going. Hey, I'm in a spot. You guys got any contract work that I could jump into temporarily? Yep. yep. And, and thankfully that, I had good relationships with people that were sympathetic to me. Right? My and predicament how, and just got me going and said, Hey, we'll pay you, you know, by the hour to go work with this group or we've right. got this grant that they're struggling with because they're a, uh, a new nonprofit mm-hmm. and you have experience, just go help them do it. We'll pay you. So how old were the girls at this time of this transition? Mm, that was in 2008. So, so yeah, teenagers for my first two. Okay. And, and so the other ones were just being born right about. Okay. Area, so, so, so infants to, to early teen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. Cause you've got a pretty decent spread as far as oldest to youngest, 13, 14 years, right? Yeah. Okay. More than that. So what, what did that look like for Vonda? Do you, do you, was that, was it, did you see that as a hard time or did things happen so quickly that it was okay? Well, it was definitely a rough time. It was a a lot of unknowns and, you know, how are we going to make it? Right. Kind of thing. She was working at the hospital part-time and, you know, she thought, well, if I have to go full-time to do more, she was willing to to do that. To kind of pick that up. But it was a, it was, you know, I'm very thankful that the Lord provided because it wasn't very long before I had some income to be able to support the family and just started looking at what does consulting look like and just went for it full, full on. Mm -hmm. And once you jumped right into it, formed a corporation, got some insurance, figured out how to make it work with health insurance. I mean, all those things of forming a business, I, I asked around other people that I knew that were doing it and they helped me and. Too bad they didn't have a Christian business podcast you could listen to at that time. (laughs) But, you know, it wasn't easy and it was expensive. You know, you had to, I had to meet with a lawyer and, you know, file of corporate papers and, you know, jump into healthcare, which, but, you know, on your own is a big deal when you're used to having that as a benefit. So, yeah, it was an expensive, unknown time. We, you, you lost an income and then had to put a bunch of money in. Yep. I, I've been there, right? Yeah. Yep. Lost, lost my job and, and, you know, had to jump into the construction industry and, mm-hmm. and praise God, we, you know, had people around me, like you had, you know, you had your, you know, your folks of the state, et cetera. And so it didn't, it, 
didn't take you, it doesn't sound like it took you long to go, to go from, I lost my job. Hey, you got anything for me at the state to Hager consulting? Mm -hmm. It didn't, it was a pretty quick transition. Yeah. Probably six months, eight months. Okay. And I was, I was off and running Mm -hmm. and. Did uh, Vonda end up having to go work more at the hospital? Really? Praise God for that. So do you think that was a a priorities decision in, nope, we need you at home with the girls? Or do you think that was just a, nope, the money's okay right now, I think we can do this? Or mm-hmm. what did, where did that decision come from? Yeah, you know, we, we'd we been doing pretty well in terms of debt, you know, okay. not having hardly any. Sure, okay. Because of our house payment was extremely low. You know, we tried to pay off cars, you know, so sure. I think that's a big part of it financially is where are you at with debt? Well, and you had an income and a half for mm-hmm. a while there. And so, okay. So the, so being prepared financially was a, was a big part of that. Yeah. We were, we had reserves. We were sure digging into reserves and living off to of pay those. lawyers. And <laughs> right. And I did get a little bit of unemployment, you know, some, a few things to kind of get us right. through. Right. Kind of keep you moving. But. As quick as I could, I was, you know, I knew I needed, and I was, I was willing to do anything, you know, sure. and anything to bring income. Right. So, you know, I remember for a time there were some local farmers here that were like, hey, can you help me do some office work? Mm, right, right. I'm like, I'll do anything. Sure. Know, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> you, know, you pay me minimum wage, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> right, I did right. some of that. Okay. So I was just willing to do whatever to put food on the to table. Do, to do whatever it took to put food on the table. Yeah. Was Vonda or the, or the girls ever involved in the business? Did you, did, were you able to, you know, in, include the girls in any of that kind of stuff, any teaching because of the homeschooling? Was there any of that that happened? I was not too involved in homeschooling other than I would volunteer to teach a finance class. Okay. A couple times, you know, there were parents that would teach a, a combined class like Kent Carnamont would teach government. Okay. And, you know, some of the parents would say, oh, I'll volunteer to teach a group of kids here sure. at the church or whatever on uh-huh. a specific topic. So I did personal finance okay, a got few you. times. But beyond that, you know, other than just helping the girls here and there. You went to work and, I, and yeah. Vonda did some schooling. Yeah, Vonda really took the load of that. Got you. Okay. Do you remember ever having, you know, big discussions, you know, kind of laying things out with Vonda? Or did it just kind of happen that you both were in agreement all the way through in terms of priorities and what we're going to do in this whole consulting thing and job changes? Or, or do you think it just kind of flowed? Nicely. Well, Vonda was always involved, has always been involved in decision-making and prayer and, mm-hmm. you know. She is thinking, quite the prayer warrior. She is. Thinking, <laughs> she's one that has that reflex we were talking about earlier, <laughs> pray first and talk right, about it later. Right. But yeah, she's always been involved in that. I, I never do anything without including her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true also with her with homeschooling. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through that together and it was a, a big decision for us. We looked at Christian school and public school and homeschool. And really felt here in Fremont, all those options are good. Okay. I mean, but we ended up deciding to, for her to just, just try the first year. She's right. like, I can do kindergarten. Let's do this. I, I can do shapes about, and colors and letters. Yeah, I don't know I about can anything do this. else. I can't do, I can't do calculus. <laughs> right. I know I can do kindergarten. <laughs> Somewhere in between there. Well, <laughs> so we just kind of prayed through that every year. Mm. And that's kind of how this that time is led. It time. And it was just like, okay. And, and as our girls got, got older, we we tried to sit down with them and say, like, eighth grade, ninth, you know, around that time, do you want to go to high school? You know, what would that look like? And we, 
we gave them those opportunities, some more seriously than others. Right, right. You know, so maybe our some girls, it was some it was do you want to, and some it was you don't want to, do you? Right. So I, I think if my girls heard this, they'd be like, Dad, well, you didn't really give me a choice. But, You're um, right, I didn't, sweetheart. Like we kind of did. At least we prayed about that and right. talked about it and faced that. And a couple of our girls did go to either career tech or like Willow went to Fremont High School for the last semester of her senior year. Right. So they did have a little bit of exposure to that. But those were all decisions that we made together. It was a, but it was an actual, it wasn't like, hey, we're both in agreement. Let's keep moving. It was, so you did talk about that kind of stuff. Lindsay, we we talked with a pastor on here, and we'll probably, there's a couple more that I've got in mind that I'd like to pick their brains, but, you know, the pastor in the, kind of that full-time ministry role, and, you know, the gospel is their job kind mm-hmm. of concept, and and then there's the, you know, the business owner, the contractor, the 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 realtor, the, you know, the farmer, et cetera, and, and it's, you know, it's almost exactly the opposite. They've got their nine to five, and then the gospel works in through that. You, yours is seems almost like it's kind of a middle ground because your your job is in a way charity mm-hmm. right but not quite because it's mm-hmm. not necessarily christian charity right so do you do you see your job as more of a a job or do you see that as part of your ministry and i'm not talking about you know sharing christ with your 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 cohorts or something but do you see what you're doing with the foundation as ministry in those times where it it can lean that direction or do you see it as nope this is my nine to five and i i i i my ministry is to the people around me at work and outside of work which way do you see it the latter the latter yeah it's it's you know when i am proactive about thinking about my day which Mm -hmm. i try to do each morning it's the people i'm coming in contact with that day Got you. How can I encourage them? How can I activate? How can I contribute something myself to the organization? How can I help connect the team and individuals to make an impact in our community? Right. Okay. So, so the job itself, you don't necessarily see as eternal with etern- having eternal significance so much as what you are doing while you're at the job having the eternal significance. Yeah. Got you, got you. Well, and especially with a nonprofit that's that's specifically nonpartisan, unbiased, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think there, you know, we talked with Michelle about the the community closet here in Fremont, and that mm-hmm. is a Christ centered organization, mm-hmm. and so that is, you know, that is kind of. So, do you find yourself looking? So you ha- so you have that that nine to five going on. Do you find yourself then? looking outside of that in terms of church and parachurch ministry, et cetera, to really pour yourself into or, well, I'm not going to say or, cause I keep asking you closed ended questions and <laughs> you keep answering them. <laughs> I'll give you a yes or no. I think it's both. Okay. You know, really I, our gifts and talents should be used to their maximum at work. Right. And those are God-given gifts and talents, whether it's administration right. or encouragement mm-hmm. or something else. Mm-hmm. You have opportunity, hopefully, to use those at work. Right. And if you're not able to do that, I think you should look for a different career. But there's still opportunities for ministry that you should be using your gifts and talents in your church mm-hmm. and even in your community. 
So I think it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's your job, it's your family, it's it's your community, and it's your church. Mm-hmm. Just a kind of an opinion question and, and let us in a little bit. If you didn't get paid for what you do, but your bills were paid, would you still do what you do? Would you I, volunteer at that organization? Yeah, I probably would. I mean, the the organization itself is viewed very, very positively. Yes. <laughs> you know, so I work for an organization that 98% of the people think, wow, what a great place. Oh, absolutely. What it's a fantastic. Great thing. And well, they've done great things in the community. My goodness, you yeah. look around you and you just see just the vast amount of financial support that is poured out. And and again, maybe I've maybe I've not done well at, at speaking speaking highly of this because it is it is huge. Right. I I am the recipient growing up in the community of multiple of these funds, I, scholarships when yeah. I was in school. Right. We we do work for the Center for Nonprofit Housing in their home repairs program, mm-hmm. which and that is partly funded, funded by the, by community, the foundation. community foundation. So right. do, don't get me wrong, there's fantastic stuff going on, but the so it's a it's a it's a good cause to work for. But you still do operate in ministerially outside of work, of mm-hmm. course, you're involved with community Bible study, mm-hmm. right? Do you, what do you, your gifting in administration, is, is that something that you're serve? Is that heavily used in your capacity in CBS? A little bit. I'm assistant teaching director. Kent Carnamide is the teaching mm-hmm. director. So, you know, I will substitute for him on wrap-ups, mm-hmm. and so that's a big challenge for me. It's public okay. speaking. You know, it's not necessarily something I pursue, but it stretches me. Like getting on a podcast or something. Right. <laughs> right. It's okay. We've only had 100 listens so far. Don't right. worry, Lindsay. Yeah, I think there's only <laughs> the three of us will ever hear this. So that's that's right. right. All four of you <laughs> listeners, right, that keep thank you for continuing to replay the same episodes right. to keep our count up. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, but uh, where are other opportunities, and and what am I doing in church? Is it is it using my gifts and talents? Am I pursuing something different, or if I'm you know mm-hmm. in a rut or whatever? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's a good question, <laughs> right? Am right. I am I using my talents for God's glory everywhere, every day? Right. So there's yeah, do everything you do to the glory of of God, mm-hmm. and and then there is do everything you do to glorify God, you know? Right. So it's like, I think there's, there's two pieces there. There is, and we talked about it on Sunday of, of eternal significance, right? Where, what is eternally significant that we do? And yeah, your work at the foundation does provide things like housing, etc. But your work in the foundation, in terms of the way you live your life, the way you operate, the way you communicate with people, mm-hmm. and then community Bible study and being a dad. I mean, sometimes we, I think we can have a tendency, not always, but we can have a tendency to undervalue the eternal significance of Christian parenting. So yeah, we, we do a, a, a segment of the show called Proverbs 32. And the concept is if you're going to write a couple of verses of Proverbs 32, you got a couple people in mind that are, that are looking and one of them is, and in your in in this case, what would be appropriate would be, I want to hear from, I want to hear you speak to the guy who is, uh, who's a believer, and who's doing his own thing, and so he's able to have a lot more freedom in his, you know, pursuit of business. Like you're consulting, right? You could choose 
to not take on certain jobs for, you know, you get a women's healthcare thing and turns out it's an abortion clinic that wants a grant written. You can choose not to do that. You don't have that option in, in this situation. So talk to the guy who's looking at maybe, hey, I have some freedoms. It's a little tough on the schedule. I could move to this other option, but my, my, my freedom to operate within the bounds of my faith, faith is going to be restricted. So talk to him for a minute, number one. And then number two, talk to, because I know you have a real passion for people, you know, and people in their growth. It's, I mean, the first time you and I had lunch together, you just, you were, it, it was really great. You, you really cared about where I was going in business and, and making decisions and stuff. And, and so talk to the person who is, is either new to the faith and in business for themselves or new to business who, who's a believer. So let me, let me make those a little more succinct. The first person is the the strains of owning my own business are getting a little too much, but I have my freedom to operate within the bounds of my faith. I'm looking at an option that would restrict my freedoms in terms of living out my faith, but gets rid of all the other difficulties that I'm struggling with. Say something to that person and then say something to the new people, new in business or new to faith. The For the existing person, if you have flexibility, you have to stay true to who you are in Christ. So if that means that you decline a job that is profitable, you have to do that. It's not always easy to, to say no. And there have been times when I've looked at very profitable work and said no because of the people who were involved with it, not necessarily because mm, of the right types the of mission funding. behind it. Yeah, it was just more of, okay, this contractor that I would subcontract under is not an upright person. They're an immoral person or mm. whatever. And I'm going to be regretting that decision as soon as I agree to it. So don't be afraid to say no mm-hmm. and, and actually work hard to say no when 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 it doesn't fit mm-hmm. where you are for sure and yeah. then and then that that new person to business just from a general i mean you've seen a lot of work you've seen a lot of business work go on you have you have a, a just a, a little nugget to to leave with somebody you know just starting out trying to determine what your mission is what what are your strengths and you know if like i said well, i was willing to do anything but i also knew that I was limited, you know, I knew my limitations. I couldn't do, I didn't have every type of skill or every type of passion or every type of gift. So I try to find things that are play to my strengths Mm -hmm. in terms of gifting. So, you know, in my position now, there are days when I think, man, what am I doing here? You know, I'm surrounded by people that may or may not be moral or living in the Lord or have any type of spiritual relationship that I do. But yet I can model model Christ and I can model encouragement. And I try to do that every day. I try to think about, okay, who am I going to come in contact with today? Right. What are my meetings? Look at my calendar. Okay, I'm meeting with these five people internally or externally. What can I do to show them Christ? And what can I do to encourage them? Right. Just in where they are, something that's meaningful to them, even if they're not a Christian. Right, right. Oh, I think that's good. Proverbs 32, 1, 2, and 3. I like it. Well, I think one, two, and three were taken up the first episode, but that's all right. <laughs> we got Lindsay. How can people, if they, you know, they like that idea of that endowment concept, how can they, how can they connect with the foundation? 
Yep, they can contact me at the Free Minority Community Foundation. You got a website. You got there is a website. I have an email. It's lhager at facommunityfoundation.org. We'll get that posted in the comments section when we're done. We'll get you to send that and maybe a website. And and would people reach out directly to mm-hmm. to you then? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And so you're no no longer really doing the consulting then. That's not something that people will reach out to you for at this point. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> All right. But you'd be open to a cup of coffee for someone who who was getting started out in business and oh, had I love a, to wanted talk to, to pick your brain. About that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I get a lot of calls about that. Actually, people like, hey, I've heard you, you know, had a business, and mm-hmm. you know, I had some ideas. What do you think about this? And can they reach out to you that at that email for that? Is sure. that okay if they? Okay, all right. So we'll we'll put that on the comment section, Lindsay. I just want to thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. New experience for you. So we we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Folks, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I want to thank Forrest Lord of uh, Green Ridge Realty for taking care of tech here. And I want to thank Michelle with Signature Business Branding for providing all of our design information. You can find her information on her episode, Michelle Dubois. And please like, share, comment, review, post on social media. Let people know if this if this podcast has been a blessing to you. It could probably be a blessing to somebody else, but they won't know about it unless you tell them. So. Thanks for listening to a Christian in Business podcast. I'm Aaron. Have a good one.